Are you Let gonna- me just start this. Sorry, I'm going to cut you off right off the bat, Jeffrey. But let's just start this with plugging our Twitter, right? At BOP underscore POD. You know why I'm plugging this today, Jeffrey? Well, I'm not in charge of uh, Twitter or social media. So that's, that's your realm. That's where you work your magic. But do you know why exactly today is the reason I'm plugging it? I don't know why today specifically, but I'm sure it has to do with whatever happened yesterday on Friday. What happened yesterday, Jeffrey? Why don't we give our listeners the rundown? Well, you know what? I was uh, either sleeping or at work yesterday, so I didn't pay attention to our Twitter. So you tell me, Austin. That I told you, Twitter's your realm. I do all the logistical stuff. I can't tweet. I can't do anything like that. That's your job. So... We had the NHL draft lottery, and uh, yesterday afternoon, I uh, actually showed everyone where my true allegiances lie beyond the LA Kings. And which team is that? Team Eve, baby! Let's go! So, um, well, before when you cut me off there, I was going to ask you, are you an insider man? How did you know that Team E was going to win the draft lottery? Because I am, I am a psychic. I will pretend that I am a psychic, even though I am going to start off with a controversial belief. I don't think I think psychics are full of crap. That's a whole other story that we're not going to go to today. But um, yes, I was saying Team E all the way, baby. I even put away my king's allegiance. And the hockey gods saw this and were like, look at this compassion and humanitarian move. You know what? We'll make it happen. With a 2.5% chance, we'll make it happen. And we'll give King the Kings the second overall pick. Great day for me. <laughs> How is it the three teams that we talk about the most on the Bag of Pucks podcast, Team E, the LA Kings, and the Ottawa Senators all end up winning in the draft lottery. How did because that Because the hockey gods are looking at this podcast and going, you know what? This is somewhat quality good content. <laughs> Keyword somewhat. Somewhat is underlined and just underlined, bolded, italicized all the fun stuff. <laughs> and in Comic Sense font. Oh, it's an impact. You know that one is just like right in your face? It's an impact. That was the classic font, though. Like, you know, if back in, like, grade school where you needed to, you know, make a, I don't even know, make a label, you know? You want to sh- show some attention. and. Oh, yeah. yeah that Impact is, was uh, to show attention, and Comic Sans was like, look, this is all, this isn't so serious. <laughs> but either way, that's what the somewhat looks like and when we talk about somewhat quality content. But somewhat. This is, when we go in tangents like this, is when we just scream, we are com- so we're somewhat un- unprofessional sometimes. <laughs> well, I mean, besides our tangents, we also are notorious for our terrible segues. So before we go to our draft lottery, I think we need to start the show proper, shall we? Oh, geez, that's a terrible segue. <laughs> Let's start the show proper. You're listening to the Bag of Pucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. And we are back. Are we so, clapping now? 
Is that the new thing when we say and we are back? No, that is the impact font of, of returns. <laughs> All right. Now that we are we are back, let's talk about the draft lottery. TV, TV, TV. <laughs> um, so, like, Steve Eisman hates everyone right now, right? Like, that's probably the situation. <laughs> Does he hate everyone or just the board of governors or whoever made the rules for the, the draft lottery? Um, you know what? I would say it's possible everyone. <laughs> yeah, I like you have to feel bad when you know every team jumps ahead of you, right? Like that's you you expect at least like at least a top three pick, right? Like you know you like even if you don't get the first overall pick, you know you're still dead last. You shouldn't be pushed all the way back to fourth. But yeah, Detroit like... is just they got pushed. They just couldn't win one. Even Ottawa beat them. Ottawa. Ottawa two chances. Okay, we're gonna talk about Ottawa later because our favorite Twitter account would like to thank Mr. M for this for the for the lottery. <laughs> so we're gonna go there later. Okay. I, just, I, just, I just can't. We gotta we gotta bottle this up for now. <laughs> All right. So, but like, okay, three and five, and later on in the episode, I've got an apology for the Ottawa Senators, but you know we're gonna get there later. So. Okay, I'm gonna be honest with you. As much as I like to make fun of Team Ewan, I actually very much dislike that Team Ewan. Like I was like one of the Team H's one. I really dislike. I know I might laugh by the hilarious and everything. It was hilarious, but it's also like kind of disrespectful. <laughs> I think it brings out all the conspiracy theories. That the NHL is just doing this so that they can get more viewership. Or, you know, yes. like, oh, a, pl- a potential team that's actually playing is now going to get the chance to get. Like, and it's not even like it's a year where, like, the top, like, the first overall pick is, like, like I think Lafreniere, he's not like a McDavid Crosby type of first round pick, but he could be like a Tavares, Patrick, I don't know, Patrick Kane, maybe too much, but like, he's at least like a, not like a once in a lifetime talent, but like he's still like a generational talent, right? Like it's not like it's like the Nico Heischer, Nolan Patrick year where like, you know, you might like the first overall pick might not be worth too much, but this is like a potentially like decent team is going to get Alexis Lafreniere, not a rebuilding team. So here's a, so, you know, I, I pay money to go on the athletic, to read the athletic. So, they brought in a couple of execs, uh, one from East, one from the West, and said, hey, uh, where would you slot Alexis Lafreniere in the first round picks? And they had McDavid first, which I don't think we have much discussion about. They had Austin Matthews second, but they kind of had a, like a toss-up, where I kind of agree. McKinnon third to the toss-up with uh, Matthews. And then they slot in Lafreniere at, right after McKinnon. So th- that's where they think he'll be. He'll be. So, not a generational talent, but I'd say an above-average first-round pick in the last couple, last 10 years, 10, 15 years, so. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, like, he's on the higher end of the first-round picks, like, recent first-round picks. So, mm-hmm. like, to me, like, I, I feel like it's conspiracy. Like, if it was, to be honest, I wish, I kind of like you, I wished all three draft, like, draft lottery places 
just ended up being one of those seven teams. And then we don't have to watch them try, Gary Bettman try to pick balls from a, like, pick up lottery balls again. But, like, even if it was, like, the third overall pick or the second overall pick, I might have been, okay, it's a qualifier team, you know, I get it that the, you know, we want to have some views and stuff. But then it's the first overall pick. And I'm like, are you trying to cause more chaos than it needs to be right now? Like, I know you want for the viewership, but, like, this is just outright chaos right now for the draft lottery. So, I'll be honest with you. The main reason why I kind of wanted one of the like, Team E to win was just because of the giant, like, chaos theory. Yeah. Knowing and you, yeah. So for me right now, I'll be honest with you, my rooting interest is to have... I think there's one. I think there's one way where the where the New York Rangers could technically win the cup, and have the Carolina Hurricanes' first round pick, and if Carolina gets their balls chosen, technically New York Rangers could win the first overall pick and the cup. That is the chaos theory I want. Well, isn't the the New York pick is it the highest or is it the low like the lower of the two? Because I know. Um... Like it's like with that trade is the Sammy Vatnin trade, right? Yeah. It's like either or one of the first round picks, but was it? I I believe it's a higher one. Like higher. So find higher. That's the thing. Like that's the all thing I, I know is technically speaking, the Hurricanes can get the first overall pick, and at the same time, sorry, the Rangers get first overall pick and win the cup, and that is the new chaos uh, theory I want. I don't think that works, right? Because I'm just looking at the stuff right now. So, oh, well, I, I guess it would have to be, so, like, Toronto would have to, uh, actually, no, I don't think that works out, does it? It does. It does. Because it's just very, very, very unlikely, but it's possible. No, I'm looking at this, right? So, like, the, the Leafs pick, the, their, the, their first The Leafs pick is, uh... Cap is cap. Uh, it's not cap. It's uh, lottery protected. Yeah. So it can't. So uh, unless the so if the Leafs lose and they they win the 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 draft lottery, then they keep it, right? So Carolina won't get it. Mm-hmm. So then that means Carolina. So if the Rangers beat the Hurricanes in the in the qualifying round, they'll yeah. pick up sixteen or later, right? Yeah. But if the Rangers are eliminated by the Canes, then their pick it's, it's hold up. Wait, wait no, so okay, if the Rangers beat the Canes, then the Canes and and the Canes win the their Canes turn out to be team E, the Rangers don't get the first overall pick though. They'll get the later of the between the Canes pick and the Leafs pick. So I don't think the Rangers so, can actually get Toronto's pick is top 10 protected, so the Hurricanes would have to return the picks to the Leafs if they win the number one. If, yeah. they, if they get number one. However, if the rain, then the Rangers would take Carolina's first overall pick. And then Carolina would technically have to win the lottery on that as well. Yeah, but then if you're saying the Leafs have to win the lottery first then if, for the pick to be returned. So you can't have, you can't have both no, Toronto no, no. and Carolina so winning the lottery. Toronto picks with picks within the top 10 so they would have to be but within, they won't though they have, have to, to they not if they lose if toronto loses so i think yeah i like, think I toronto think... has to lose the qualifying round 
So their pick is within, they'd have to be either nine or 10. And then, and then Carolina's pick would have to go to the Rangers and the Rangers would pick first if Carolina wins that. So Toronto has to fall between nine and 10. Yeah, but that's not happening because though I don't think the Leafs had that bad of a record to fall nine and ten though, right? Like I they think were it's technically possible. It's very, like it's very, very unlikely. Yeah, like I, like the Leafs, I think had too good of a record for them to, like it would have to be every, like you know I know we talked about last week we were going to talk about the play in rounds, but we never got. I don't think we're gonna have the chance today, but. Basically, you're saying that almost every, there has to be an upset for every single play-in round yes. for somehow for the Leafs to end up picking 9 or 10th. And even that yes. might be stretching it still, I think. But, 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 what were the chances of Team E winning? Two and a half percent. Yeah, so maybe... So... <laughs> well, we'll, let's, we'll figure out the percentage later of how, the, how that scenario would have worked out, but... Yeah, I, I, I know you are definitely going to be a proponent of the, the chaos theory here of qualifier yeah. team. <laughs> but, like, I, I look at the, the draft lottery, like, so you're giving, like, it's chaos first off that with, you know, with the qualifier team. You're trying to promote hockey in California, so you get L.A., and then you help out Ottawa. It, it just seems to be, like, it fits the NHL's agenda to a T almost. Why did they choose L.A. and not Anaheim, though? Well, like, I think L.A., it's... I don't think Anaheim is as big as a hockey... Mar- like, like I know L.A. and Anaheim are both basically, you know, very close to one another, as we know from your geography skills. <laughs> but I think L.A. is a bigger market than Anaheim. I wonder... And- here's my conspiracy for this, though. I wonder... Like, I guess my, it's not my conspiracy. My against the conspiracy, it's why would they do it to give Ottawa a benefit? It seems like the NHL is kind of sick of Ottawa a little bit. Well, they're not really giving them that much of a benefit. I mean, they were what they had technically they were second and third. And so then they got pushed back to third and fifth. And I think that's, you know, they, they kind of lost out, but they, you know, they still at least got a top three pick at least well two top five top they got a top three pick and the two top fives so like in the end i mean like it's kind of like that middle ground but they're hoping maybe that could save the franchise a little bit maybe oh man do you hear that jeffrey what it's it's the 5g towers tracking your every movement <laughs> anyway what was the what was that tweet you were saying about from our was it jake Jack Maxwell. Oh, buddy, are we going to the Ottawa segment? I love it. Okay, we, we so, might as well since we talked. I'm going to start this off by Ottawa. saying, I remember completely shitting on the Ottawa Senators for getting absolute garbage on that deal. All right, I remember saying those words, and I am currently eating those words. That is an absolutely great deal. <laughs> are you talking about the the Carlson trade or did the, the Shane trade? trade. Sorry, the Carlson trade. I remember absolutely shitting on the on setters being like, what is this? You guys are garbage for me. A bunch of like B-level prospects. Ah, uh, this changes everything. Because <laughs> seeing how Carlson's regressed, and I don't think there's much of a discussion there. I think he's regressed. And seeing as not just his, uh, his skills, but, you know, kind of an anchor contract 
on the cap and what they got back. Yeah, they got a great deal. And I apologize <laughs> for saying that was a terrible deal. So let's start it off there. Yeah, I apologize for saying that. And we're going to move on to our favorite Twitter account, JackMax1414. 40182. He is my favorite Twitter account. Have you contacted him to contacted him if he wants to come on the podcast yet? Or you know, he or I, she? I'm a, no bit, I'm a little shy to contact them because it's kind of like meeting your heroes, right? You don't want to ruin it. Okay, fine. <laughs> fine. So, so Ottawa Sanders tweeted out a statement from Eugene talking about how he's excited for a new chapter um, for having having one of the three overall top one of the one of the coveted top three overall draft picks and one of the most transformational drafts in NHL history. It's a step towards uh, being a perennial Stanley Cup contender and a champion, and uh, fans should be excited to celebrate it, right? Just paraphrasing there. But I will never paraphrase my hero, Jack Maxwell. He tweets, and I quote, Well said, my owner, at Melnick Eugene, as a, by our owner, at Melnick Eugene, it's not easy doing what you did. You did what weaker owners fear. You ignored what was easy and did what was right for us. A carefully laid out plan. Not rushed, not foolish. Now the city is buzzing with two top five picks. Amazing job. Go, sends go. So is our friend Jack Maxwell saying Pierre Dorian is a puppet? I think that's what he's saying. He's saying. I think he believes that Eugene Milnick is owner, GM, coach, star player of the Ottawa Senators. I, 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 you, I think you know. I think you need to stand up and meet your heroes sometimes. So I, I believe Austin, you need to, you I'm know. Scared, I'm gonna embarrass myself with my heroes. What can I say? Well, you know, you made a great tweet about Team E. I think that you are, you know bound for greater things on Twitter. So I think you should, you know, take the chance there and try to talk to a... I don't even remember his... Jack Maxwell? How could you not know my hero's name, Jeffrey? I'm sorry. I don't know... I know my heroes. I just don't know your heroes. I'm sorry. But, (laughs) uh, like, you know, I I love how the fact that, you know, they were actually in line to have two top three picks. And now they're only down to one. (laughs) They could have had none. And I love how this is a transformational draft. Like, I'm looking at this draft right now, and like I didn't realize it, until I mean, it could transform their their franchise. Don't get me wrong. I never thought I'd be defending Eugene, but like, it could be. It's transformational for their organization, right? Well, well, I think they were kind of like when I was like when you're paraphrasing that. Uh, the tweet from Ottawa, it sounded more like they thought this entire draft was going to be, you know, transformational. But I, I, I do think it's because they have two top five picks, right? Like, we're, like the last time I can remember, like, a team had two high, high draft picks would probably be like that the Sedin year with Vancouver, right? Like, I can't think of another time where a team well, had... No, the Sedin draft was, like, after they draft, like, during the draft, they picked up another pick, right? Yeah, no, but, like, they had two such high draft picks. Like, yeah. I can't think of another team that... I think there there might have been, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Like, it might have been, like, in the teens or something, but... Yeah. Or, like, you know, like the Boston example of what? They went 12, 13, 14, or 13, 14, 15 in the draft. But, like, they can pick up some interesting prospects. Like, 
I didn't realize until I looked at some of the prospect rankings later. I had no idea they had bumped up Jake Sanderson so high up in the draft rankings. Yeah. And that's, I don't know if that's the right, I don't know if he's that really that good of a prospect. Like, I, I, I think he has an NHL size. He has, like, an NHL game. But I don't know if, if he's got the ceiling to be that great of a player. Though. That's my problem. Like, I don't think he's number four out of North American skaters. I wonder if it's just because, hey, we need another defenseman. Let's put him up there type of thing. I don't know where you see Jake Sanders number four. Well, I was looking at some of the, the central scouting. If you look mm-hmm. at central scouting rankings for 2020, I think they put, uh, I think it's Jake, right? Is it Jake, Jack, John? Jake Sanderson <laughs> is number fourth in final ranking. Jeffrey, you're supposed to be the one who prepares. Okay, it's Jake Sanderson. And on NHL.com for draft, draft prospect rankings, final rankings, Jake Sanderson is ranked fourth behind Lafreniere, Byfield, and Drysdale. Like he jumped from 11th. And I don't know if that's because he's just a defenseman and this year the draft is quite weak on defensemen that we're seeing, you know, them being pushed up in the rankings for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. For me, I think, like, I think Cole Perfetti's probably a bit better than him. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I could see him being, he's like a top seven, top eight North American skater. Um, four is maybe a little too high. But I also wonder if, it's just because it's such a weak draft for a defenseman that he's going to get drafted high up in the, in the well, draft. Well, I don't think it's a weak draft for defense. I think there's a weak and the high-end defenseman. I think when you look at you know the mid mid to late teens, you start seeing a lot more defensemen there. I don't think it's very much a weak draft for them. Like, there's depth there. I think at so, the top end, there's a little yeah. bit of lacking on the defenseman. Yeah, like there's no high-end talent. Like the like Jamie Drysdale might be the only potential like like high end talent defenseman. So like I, I, I think I'm, he's the only one, to be honest. Yeah, and like that's the thing. Like I wonder if teams are gonna, you know, end up taking defensemen over forwards just because you know, they start drafting by positional needs, right? Like sometimes it works, right? Like you look at a uh, Kale McCarr. Do you know where Kale McCarr was ranked? In, for North American skaters when he was drafted. I only know he was drafted fourth. I don't know where he was ranked. He was ranked ninth. Uh... But he was the number one defenseman. So Colorado was like, hey, we need a defenseman. So they took Kale McCarr over a couple other forwards, like yeah. uh, Elias Pedersen. Uh, well, Elias Pedersen was European skater. But like sometimes it does work to draft by – if you're drafting by position, sometimes it does work out. But most of the time, you take the best player possible. And that's why I'm a little bit hesitant with Jake Sanderson being so high up. I'm worried that a team is going to, you know, instead of going for a high, t- high-end high forward, they mm-hmm. end up drafting by need and get a defenseman who might not have that same ceiling. So here's the thing, though. I think – Speaking of drafting the best player for, I, I know that's a lot of teams' strategy, but I don't think the Kings do it. You think they'll draft by need? I do think they do. Okay, so when we look at, okay, we're, we're assuming, okay, they're drafting by best if Lafreniere is available at two. That's not an argument, like, at all. Yeah. But I would argue if he gets drafted, which I think he does. I think the 
I think the um, the Kings go Drysdale. Uh, well, the last time they drafted second overall, and there was a right-handed defenseman available, still um, in the prospect pool, they did get Drew Doughty. So that might yeah. be the right idea. Well, no. Like, here's the thing. Like, Drew Doughty was supposed. To, he was second. He was the second rank skater in North America, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But the thing is, like, when we look at the Kings' like prospect pool, you ca- there's a lot of forwards there, man. Like, your number one is a center, Turcotte. You know, your number and your number two is Kaliev, a winger, a left winger, and Fagemo is another winger. And then your fourth one is Velarde, who's a center. Your fifth is a center. Your sixth is a center. Like your top five picks are uh, top five uh, top five prospects are either wingers or centers. So, do you really want to add a fourth center in your top five by picking a Quinton Byfield? Like I personally love Tim Stuza. I'd rather have Tim Stuza instead of Quinton Byfield, to be honest. If I was an NHL GM, if I'm drafting just my best player available, I I would rather have Tim Stuzel. So I could see them drafting Tim Stuzel, but at the same time, when you look at what they have in the system, their best defenseman is Tobias Buenfoot. And like, if you look at right-handed defensemen, it's Jordan Spence, who's, who's good, but like, I don't know if he's top pairing or top pairing level. I think when I look at Jordan Spence, I think he's like a top four defenseman. And I think you have an opportunity to pick up a right-handed top defenseman. I'm thinking you take Jimmy Dreisel instead if you don't trade down. Because, like, let's be honest, we're looking at three or four. I don't think Jimmy Dreisel lasts more than four. And I, I don't see why the Red Wings or the Sens would give up extra assets to go up to two. Unless they feel like maybe the Sen- maybe the Red Wings are like, we love Quentin Byfield way more than Marco Rossi that we got to give up stuff to make sure we get him. Boy, I can't imagine... Steve Eisman doing that. So I think I I think you're stuck at taking Drysdale too, to be honest. You take by need here. Yeah. I, like the you're bringing up the trading down and that's that's I'm cheering for teams to trade down. Like I don't think we've seen in like like the last time I think a top three pick was ever traded was like the Phil Kessler trade. But that wasn't really like a like a draft. That wasn't a plan, yeah. Yeah. Like I am all for like like you're right. I don't know if Ottawa or Detroit will be willing up to give up assets to trade up to two. Yeah, but even if it's not a lot, like I mean, Ottawa could be a dick and draft Drysdale at three. Well, you then, draft by need, right? It's like it's not it's not their fault. Yeah, but like if you can somehow guarantee Ottawa is not gonna be a dick and pass on, um, like. Like the thing, like I see it as I could see Detroit trading up to two, given that they got smacked around in the draft lottery. Like I don't know if Elikin needs the sun and the moon to trade down two spots. Oh yeah, if it's the two spots, I don't think you're asking for too much. Yeah, and like I get it. Like the difference might be, you know, Quinton Byfield, Tim Stuzel, and Sergei and James Drysdale. But at least you might be able to pick up an additional asset, maybe. But then I think the scare might be that. What if Ottawa decides to go get Jamie Drysdale at three and then end up going with their when they picked again at five, then they go like they rather get like Drysdale um like Perfetti instead of going for like Stuzel Perfetti or something like that. 
Like okay, that. so let's say let's say Kings take Byfield, right? That two, yeah. right? Like the Ottawa Senators have to take Drysdale three, right? I don't know. Actually, I feel like Detroit has a fairly good defensive. Like defensively, they're fairly strong in the prospect pool. So I don't know if they really need to take um, Drysdale right away. I think they they could take the risk and pick Stuzel at three. And then hope Drysdale, they land Drysdale at five, or they can take Rossi, who I think he played for the 67s, right? So, yep. so you know. yeah, I think, but the thing is more just like you might as well, because like I would argue that you might as well get the best defenseman, and you have a bunch of forwards you can basically pick from, right? So you might as well just pick up the best defenseman ahead of time, and you don't be like, you know what, I get the best defenseman when a bunch of the forwards are basically the same. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, I think it's harder in the NHL, right? Like, when we look at the NFL, you see teams drafting by needs in the first round, like, very often, that, like, you basically know which teams are, what position they're going to be drafting for almost all the time. So you can already guess, like, you already know, like, oh, I can, you know, I don't have to worry about these teams drafting, like, a tackle because I know they don't need tackle help. They don't need O-line help. So I can... You know, don't have to worry about them drafting ahead of me. But yeah. like with the NHL right now, it's like you're right. You know, Ottawa could throw a wrench in every, in the Kings' plans and draft Drysdale at three. So maybe the Kings have to play it safe. And even though they're, they're passing on Byfield and Stuzel, they might have to pick Drysdale at two. Even though I don't, I think Drysdale is talent-wise below like Lafreniere, Byfield, Stuzel. You definitely as like. If you're the Kings, you decide, you know, I'm okay with moving down. You're definitely just calling up, like, Detroit and being like, hey, Detroit. would be a shame if you couldn't get him. Or you're calling up Ottawa and being like, say, just feels like a defenseman type of day. And just being like, you know, scaring them, right? Because if you look at, you know, I think it's pretty much agreed between Osley. Maybe, maybe Angel Duckon thinks differently. But besides Drysdale, there's a bit of a drop-off when it comes to defensemen, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm imagining you're calling, like, LA's calling teams and just being like, would be a shame if someone picked up the best defenseman. Looks like you need some defensemen anyways. Just like, you know, full mafia style, you know what I'm talking about? Just like full mafia, oh, it'd be a shame if someone takes them and, you know, kind of hold teams a little hostage a little bit there. Mm -hmm. Because, like, everyone knows Drysdale's going to be there too, right? Like, I don't think there's much of an argument there. I think everyone's like, he's going to be there too. Yeah. And if if he's gone and Lafreniere's there too, you know the price just got even higher for him. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, uh, I, like, yeah, like I think you can hold the hostage a little bit. I, I love it. Yeah, I, like, that's, a, like, I think Ottawa is the team that is the wild card here, right? They can either pick whatever at three. They can pick whatever's left from Byfield or Stuzel, or they can play it safe and take Drysdale and then go for whatever forwards left at five. Yeah. So, like, I think Detroit is like, unless you can get some assurance from Ottawa that they won't pick Drysdale, or. But why you, would you get assurance though? Like, why would I you know. give assurance if you're Ottawa? Yeah. Why would or, you give up your strategy? I know, but or. With your trade with Detroit, you also pick up a defensive prospect as well. Mm. 
because Detroit does have a few defensive prospects, right? They've got Ronick, Sider, who they got last year, Cholowitzki, McIsaac. They've got some guys like in their system. So if if they do trade down, like they're probably it's not gonna be like the second for the fourth overall plus like a Cholo whiskey, right? Like it's gonna it's be. It's gonna like, be like a first and like a third, probably. Yeah, right. But like, if they can finagle something like that, I think the LA Kings will take the risk. Risk because at least they're getting back a defensive prospect just in case they don't get Jamie Drysdale. And if they do get Jamie Drysdale, in the end they end up with two defensive prospects from that trade. So yeah, I mean, all of this is just like this is all just us talking randomly talking like out of our asses right now because it's really a lot of it's just me freaking out and being like oh my god the kings are gonna be so good oh my god well yeah they could be but like i i think the best case scenario for la with with this draft lottery down that it's happened is that they're able to trade down to four and still end up with jamie drysdale i think that would be the ideal situation you know making your cake and eating it right yeah you say watch your cake. What does it say? But you know what I mean with the cake. <laughs> yeah, like uh, yeah, I understand what you mean. Like, like the thing is, it's just it, it could happen. It might not happen. We, we don't know. I just think it, it you have to be very very lucky for that to happen. So, I mean, I, just 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 draft lottery just threw everything in. Like, they just threw everything into chaos. You love it. I Seriously, absolutely theorists, theorists love it. I know, but it's just. I, I just feel like the NHL just wanted to have another, you know, TV segment for them to hold the uh, draft lottery phase two. All right. So while, before we continue, let's uh, talk about our friends over at Anchor. And we're back. So one of our our want one of the segments we want to be recurring that we never actually end up being recurring um let's have the nhl doomsday clock jeffrey what have you got last week i think you said it was 15 minutes no you said 10 minutes i think i said 15 yeah um we should probably keep track of this more often we really should we should do a lot of things to make our our podcast more professional but here we are here we are um (laughs) ah I think, can I stick with 10 minutes? Yeah, that's fine. I think just with everything that's happening, and, you know, now it's hit close to home, too, because um, where I'm from in Kingston, we had a major outbreak. Um, like, all I can see, all it takes is, you know, it, it could be a false negative case, and that accidentally starts to spread in the hub city bubbles. Yeah. And then that could cancel the season. Like, uh- I'm still... From the very beginning, I think that, yes, the season might start, but I don't think the season will ever end. Like, I think it's going to probably get stopped midway. Like, I'm very pessimistic right now about that. Like, I'm 10 minutes. Like, it's just, to me, I just feel like the season, it just makes more sense to just cancel it, get everyone healthy, make sure everyone's safe before we push forward. How about you, I think that's, it's perfectly fine to have it remain the same. Um... I'm a bit more optimistic, honestly. I feel like I'm at 20 minutes midnight for the sense that the vibe I'm seeing, I'm starting to get is like the NHL is kind of okay with not having a hub city in Las Vegas and their 
at least seems like there's discussions to have them both in Canada. So for me, it's saying, hey, because originally I've always been in the mindset one's going to be in Las Vegas. The other one's, I don't know where it is. And that for me was like, that Las Vegas one, I don't know, man. Just seeing how the state's handling it. And in my personal opinion, in my uneducated, unqualified opinion, they're bungling of it. Um, I was like, I don't know. But if if they're seeing, like, you know what? Just have both in Canada. And it seems like with the Edmonton one, where they'd have like an Olympic-style village... I liked it. I like it. You got a concrete plan, and there's a strong, in my opinion, I feel like there's a strong plan there. Um, I also really like the Toronto plan. Um, I think there is a lot of infrastructure there in the sense that I wonder if, like, if the Jays are also in, you know, staying in Canada as well. You kind of just take over the the Sky, the Rogers Center hotel, and just put everyone there. Like, I, I like it. Um, and if they're willing to do both in Canada, I'm a bit more optimistic about it. I have 20 minutes to midnight. Well, I, I'm just saying that, you know, like, I guess for people who don't live in Canada, like, you know, how they're they're thinking about just using exhibition place and just locking that entire da- thing place down, right? Yeah. So, that, like, for me, I see that there's a lot of opportunities there. As long, so, like, yeah, for me, it's, like, because they're saying, you know what, maybe Toronto, maybe not Las Vegas. And for me, it was, like, that's big. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I, I'm 20 minutes. I'm pretty more. I'm more optimistic. Um, yeah. So that's the thing, though. We were talking about what has been before. Las Vegas is no longer guaranteed to be a hub city. So I think for most people, they're thinking Vegas, Vegas, Vegas. Just I guess because there is the infrastructure there, right? I mean, look at Vegas, city built on tourism. You've got hotels at the Wazoo. You know, you've got the arenas there. But it seems like they're not really, in my unqualified, uneducated opinion, not very, handling the situation very well when it comes to reopening. So that, for me, has always been a bit iffy, but I think Canada's done a bit better. And if they're both within Canada, I'll be honest with you, I'm a bit more comfortable, seeing as how I, th- I feel like Canada's kind of flattened the curve a bit better compared to the States. So you're not having this inter-country travel, inter-country travel, um, so as long as you're doing the intra-country travel, I'm a lot more comfortable with it. I'll be honest with you. I, I think I'd agree with you that, like, to be, to be honest, like, I'm trying to think with, like, baseball, right? They had some outbreaks in some of the facilities, but I don't know if it was actually ever the players were, like, the, like, patient zero, quote-unquote. I feel <sighs> like it's, it was community spread first. And it got into the facility, right? So I think we keep talking about, you know, we need cities that have the right infrastructure to be the hub city. But I think the number one sticking point should always be, can we keep the players and people working in the business safe? That's mm-hmm. always needs to be number one. And I think that's why the Canada plan starting to look more and more enticing because, A, if you are able to, you know, keep it within one country you don't have to worry about those border things like the one reason why vancouver is not being considered anymore was because vancouver wanted to protect the people yeah they felt like yes they could be a hub city but they had a lot of regulations that they wanted the nhl to follow and they just weren't able to agree on um some of the regulations so the way i look at it it's like if you can keep it all within one country you don't have to worry about flying as much maybe it's just going to be those 
um, the bye teams that might two of them might have to fly over to the next hub city once they finish their round robin tournament, and then whenever the finals are, they'll have to do some flying again. But if Edmonton and Toronto are better cities in terms of controlling the spread compared to some of the other hub cities that are on that list, potential hub cities, I think you have to do it. And I know like the the income from coming from American networks, you might lose a lot of money that way. I think you just bite the bullet. Like I think you said before, right? People they just want sports to start again is to make money, right? Yeah. I think at this point you'll probably break even at you're you're not going to make money from this season very unlikely mm-hmm. the best you can do is try to break even and yeah. i think the easiest way to break even is to at least have hockey started and i think yeah you want you to give yourself the best chance for it to finish the season even though i'm pessimistic that the season won't be finished but if you can give yourself the best chance then you can at least break even as a business yeah, and I think let's be honest here. There's not going to be fans in the stadium in the arena, and it's a given, right? But so in that sense, if you're broadcasting from Edmonton or you're broadcasting from Toronto or you're broadcasting from Las Vegas, you know it's not too much of a difference. You just have to make sure that your hours are good. And I, I you know, I'm also inspired by looking at the NBA plan where they have seven games a day, and like, well, the NHL can do that too. Well, in that sense, who really gives a crap about the time zones because there's always going to be a game on. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I think it's probably a better idea. I think the NHL is probably thinking about that too at this point, thinking maybe two Canadian cities might just be better. Yeah, and like to be honest, like these days, people just you know watch like you know watch the game on their PVR, watch highlights. Yeah. I don't think like the logistic part of like how many games they're going to play is how they can maintain the ice surfaces, mm-hmm. ensuring that they can sanitize in between games. Yeah. NBA is different because they're going to have multiple courts. NHL is going to be a little bit more difficult. They might only have one, maybe two rinks that they can play in the hub city, right? So, like, they need to figure out the sanitization process with that. So, well, I'm, I don't like, I'm, I think they they have at least three rinks, right? They have two in Toronto, one in Edmonton. They take the Marley's rink. Um, and I assume what they're probably, what the best scenario, best case scenario is what they do is have like, Edmonton game, uh, sorry, Toronto game on first, then Edmonton, and then the take the AHL arena and just go rotating like that, go nonstop. So once you have game, you have two two games this time with to sanitize everything, and you kind of go backwards, and then like you probably put in three, two to three games a night, mm-hmm. a day, day and night per arena. So just like kind of just go in that rotation. I think I think that's doable, but I'm also not a not an arena operations, you know, connoisseur. I wonder if you can even do five, like you do Scotiabank, Rogers Place, Coca-Cola Place, Rogers Place, Scotiabank. Yeah, no, I'm saying you go in that rotation, right? You when yeah. one, you have one going, and you probably go to either Toronto or Edmonton, depending on what the time zone or whatever. While that's going on, the arena is getting, you know, deep sanitized. So you have about an hour, like a game is about what, an hour and a half, two hours? Mm-hmm. for everything you yeah. know so you have about three to four hours to sanitize it maybe maybe five in between you might have like i don't know pre-game post-game time covering it right so you have about about three to four hours and i think if you're still if you're you know sanitizing the seats while the pre-game show was on i think fans understand 
Well, I mean, right? like, how this, you know, screw the system of staggering starts and, you know, hey, let's play one game at three and then the other game will play at eight. So two games at each of each at each of the arenas. Who cares that they all start at the same time? You know, you you as a viewer pick whatever you want to watch. And then go from there. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's one way. I'm, I'm just Yeah, you just screw the system. Who cares about the staggered starts? The staggered start, I, I'm an advocate of it. It's just because if you're like a casual fan, you're just like, I just want to watch some hockey. It's always a game on, A. Uh, B. Yeah. Um, I think it just, you don't want to, ca- you don't want to, there's going to be a lot of eyes watching watching it, maybe for the first time, who are just stuck at home and be like, oh, whatever's on TV, I'll watch. You kind of don't want these games kind of cannibalizing each other in terms of viewership right that's just my opinion yeah mm-hmm. so in this case yeah, where you, kind of, you don't cannibalize the viewership and you know i think for hockey it's a great opportunity to just showcase it to some new fans and i think that's what they're thinking too hence the conspiracy <laughs> so yeah. so wondering if you know that stair starts probably just better just for viewership and you know don't piss off sports that because they're paying you a lot of money Basically, yeah. So, like these sports, these sports like channels don't have are really running out of content, right? Like I was at the gym today. They're showing the 2018 home run derby. There's nothing special about 2018 home run derby. Like they're out of content. They are, and like, well, is it like even it's not just sports, but like because like there's no t- new TV series, right? Like all the like regular like I was reading like, Global was picking up like, the first 48. Well, I mean, like, because they had to have a, a shutdown for the uh, for the production, right? So, like, yes, if you're already if everything's already been recorded, then you just editing doesn't matter. You can do it from home. But like, a lot of the the production stuff got shut down, so you're kind of just stuck without new. You're gonna have a content drought in the fall, and that's yeah. what that's what's been said already. Right? So it's just like it could be it could be a great opportunity for the NHL, man. It is. Well, heck, there's our content drunk now already. I'm running out of stuff to watch anyway. <sighs> Come on, Jeffrey. You're better than this. I know. I, I should probably not be watching. I should probably be focusing on doing other things than just binging TV. But, you know, I, I, I think it's, it'll be interesting. I think the plan is for the Hub Cities to be announced soon, sooner rather than later. But yeah. I think we're all kind of just waiting on that. But, um, Anyway, I think the last bit of news, well, major news, I guess, would be the Hockey Hall of Fame inductees for 2020. What are your thoughts on the Hockey Hall of Fame class of 2020? Fuck, I'm getting old. <laughs> That's actually please, my, please my explain that. Please explain that. I don't get how that, how, how that, okay, I don't know how you came up with that, but okay. Can you please explain that? I'm interested. Okay. So the entrants are Jerome McGinley, Marion Hosa. Um, who else is there? Um, Doug Wilson. Doug Wilson. Ken Holland. Ken Holland and Kim St. Pierre. Yeah, Kim St. Pierre. Oh, and Kevin Lowe. And Kevin Lowe. Um, first off, I'm curious. Do, do you know if Kevin Lowe still works for the Oilers? Because I feel like he does. He's probably one of like the consultants. Here. I will look this up for you right now. But you okay. But while I'm doing that, why did why I said fuck I'm old? Is when when I was a kid, the first NHL video game I had was uh, NHL Six, 
and Vincent the Cavalier was on that team, and that was on the cover, and I would always just build these super teams. So I'd just be like, free agency, there's no salary cap, let me just get all the nicest players and best players, and they'll be super upset, because you'd have, you would have, like, Martin San Louis, Brad Richards, and, like, I don't even know who, put, put in an all-star left winger, and that is my fourth line. Not because I'm, I'm punishing these players as a coach, it's because these are the worst players in this team, all-star team. And with this mega all-star team, these guys would never fight. But as a kid playing hockey video games, you'd want your players to fight. There's only ever one player in this superstar team that would be ever willing to fight. And that was Jerome Ginla. And he was the only one who was good at it too. So for me, Jerome Ginla is really signifies part a major part of my childhood when it came to hockey because the only video game I had for hockey growing up was NHL 6. Jerome Ginla would always be on my team because he was willing to fight and it was awesome. So for me, like that, ugh, that, that makes you feel old. But at the same time, I am very happy and very excited for him. Um, besides that, Marion Hosa is just like, it wasn't that long ago when we were making fun of Marion Hosa for leaving the, the Penguins to join the Red Wings to win a cup, but then they lose to the Penguins the year after. And for me, I was just like, oh, it's not a long time ago, and it just, just doesn't feel like it's that long. And then when you look at Doug Wilson, you're like, yeah, you think of the Sharks, Kevin Lowe, you think of the Oilers, and Kim Savory, you think of amazing women's Canadian goaltending. It's awesome. But for me, while I was like, oh, fuck, I feel old, Jerome Ginla. Jeffrey? Uh, Kevin Lowe is the vice chairman of Oilers Entertainment Group, and um, their flagship uh, property is the Edmonton Oilers. So, yes, he still works for the Oilers. <laughs> of course he does. But, so I think, Marion Hosa just, I think his contract has finally ended with the Arizona Coyotes, I think. Well, actually, no, it's technically not over, right? Because the it's season's not, over, not over. Yeah, it's not over yet. So he's kind of like in that Chris Pronger phase of technically being an active player, but going into the Hall, Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, you know, I like this class, kind of. I feel like Doug Wilson's a... I don't know. I have a Doug Wilson card. He was a, he's, he's in that great, but not like Hockey Hall of Fame status, I feel. You think he's Hockey Hall very good? I think so. I mean, there's a reason why he's been... It's been 25 years since he's been eligible before he finally made it in. Yeah. And I think the same can be said with Kevin Lowe. Like, there is... Like, with baseball, they do the right thing. They only give you 10 years. Because if you can't make it in 10 years, there's a there's a chance that you should be part of the Hockey Hall of... Not, not, not for baseball. Just the Hall of Very Good. There's a reason why they haven't voted you in. So I don't... That's why I'm kind of iffy on Wilson and Lowe a little bit. Like, with Wilson, I mean, he was a great defenseman during his era, mm -hmm. but he just never had those personal accolades, right? And that's why he's probably better in the Hockey Hall of Very Good. Yeah. And Kevin Lowe, I get he was a defensive defenseman and everything, but and he played on the Oilers, but, like... Is he more a product of team success than his own individual success? That's what I. That's why I, I'm kind of iffy with Low, and 
I this might be controversial too, but I think Kim St. Pierre is also part of the byproduct of team success over personal. Um, mm, I think with goalies, it's much easier to quantify success, though. A little bit, but I, like with Lowen St. Pierre, I think that. Well, okay, I think Kim St. Pierre definitely deserves to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame, um, but I think more it might like her success has has a lot to do with. Um, being part of Team Canada, to be honest. And I think Kevin Lowe is kind of in the same boat where he's probably a worse player that, like, he was, didn't, wasn't as important to the Oilers as Kim St. Pierre was for Canada. And I think him going into Hockey Hall of Fame is a little bit iffy for me. All right. With that being said, yeah, boy's got to run. So, uh, any last thoughts, Jeffrey? Yes, I have one last thought. Do you know when people try too hard to do something good and then end up fucking it up? Yes. So one of the examples I would say is um, when the NWHL Toronto expansion team decided to call themselves the Toronto Six. I think that's one of those <laughs> trying very hard and failing at it. I, I, I like the, the white jerseys, though. I like the decals under white jerseys. Even though I know the colors are really sends, and the, jer- the jerseys are just sends leftover jerseys. <laughs> I, but okay, decal the decals on the white jerseys are pretty sick though. I like those ones, and I think they'll like the white jerseys will look great when you hit the ice. I'm a little bit iffy about the black ones and the change ones. I'm also a little iffy, but you know, Toronto Six, you know, it's not the worst name. I mean, like it's weird to call it like you know the Raptors. G League is the Raptors 905, which is, you should never name your team after your area code. But, the Climate Pledge Arena. <laughs> Trying too hard and failing at it. Am Can I right? We, so, I've got to run, so we got to end this episode. Can we save this for next week? No. Let me finish this. Okay. Well, well, okay, I'll, 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 let, I'll let my opinion... I'll share my opinion, and then you can share your opinion next week. How that sound? That sounds good. All right. You're trying too hard, Amazon. I write it. You call it the. You can call it the Bezos Arena. Call it Amazon Prime Arena. I said it sounds better. <laughs> Climate Pledge Arena is going to be one of those arenas that no one's going to remember who plays in it because no one cares about the Climate Pledge Arena. They're going to give it its own nickname, the Green Swamp. I don't know what it's going to be called. But don't fucking call your new arena Climate Pledge Arena, please. Okay, I'm done. Yeah, um, yes, I will save it for next week. But yep. they missed out on a great opportunity to call it the Rainforest. I'm sorry. You have Pacific Rainforest. You got the Pacific Rainforest. You know, you got in, the, in a more wet area of the country. And like your Amazon sponsored the Amazon Rainforest. You could have named it the Rainforest. All I'm going to say before I leave it for next week. I think the, the Rainforest would have been a great nickname. Yeah, that would have been great. But, you know, next week, we promise, unless there's any new news, we'll definitely do our predictions for the player rounds. We'll hear Alston's final comments about the Climate Pledge Arena. Um, Alston, do you have any final words for our, view, our listeners for today? Um, wash your damn hands. Um... Gonna go political here, but I don't give a shit. Wear a fucking mask. Um, 
I don't think that's political, Austin. I think that's just you go to Florida and they'll tell you it's political. Um, but wear a fucking mask, wash your damn hands, and um, don't go to nail salons. I mean, that's Jeffrey's thoughts. I don't give a shit if you go to nail salons if you're lost, you're smart about it. But uh, yeah, wash your damn hands and uh, wear a fucking mask. <laughs> All right, and uh, you know that. What else is said? Make sure you're you know printed out in impact font so that you'll remember it. Bold yeah. it, italicize oh. it, underline it. This is not a joke. Don't make this Comic Sans font, all right? No, this is Impact font. Impact Wash your hands, font. wear a mask, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Love y'all. Thanks for listening to the Bag Fucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. You want to complain about us? You can tweet us at BOP underscore POD on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.